world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, I keep thinking this is Monday because I'm home. Twice, three times already this morning, I've said something to my wife or somebody else about what I have to do, and I'm thinking it's Monday. We had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Best part of my weekend was five and a half hours in the car with my wife going out, and five and a half hours with my wife in the car coming home. Didn't have the computer to distract me, although she she did a lot of texting and stuff like that yesterday. But just be able to spend uh, eleven hours with my wife was 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 great. That was worth it. And uh, uh, we had a we had a, we had a wonderful wonderful time, uh, an effective time. And uh, before I dive too deep into stuff here, I just I want to <clears throat> I just want to acknowledge really what an we're really putting together a team, man. <laughs> we're really putting together a team. We had about uh, there's a picture I th- I just sent you a picture, Spencer. Stand <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> there's a, there's our crew that showed up at Gettysburg and and I don't want anybody to feel bad who couldn't make it. That's certainly not, it's not at all what, uh, what this, what, what I'm talking about here. We're grateful to those who came. I think Michelle counted maybe nine different States that were represented there yesterday. And uh, oh my goodness. Uh, Craig Mickle, the work he did. I, I jokingly say we got you no know, football coat. Uh, I don't have them here. Uh, helmet football players have what they call helmet decals. You get a helmet decal when you do something really good. You make a great play, make an interception, you score a touchdown, you do do whatever you do. Uh, after the game's over, after they review the films, for every good thing you did, they give you a helmet decal. You know, a great block, a great tackle, you broke up a pass, you sacked a quarterback. And so if you watch the Ohio State Buckeyes, they have these what they call Buckeye Leagues and their accomplishments of what people have done. And I got to figure out a way to be able to start handing out some Buckeye leaves or Coach Dave leaves or whatever, because I, I mean, our team has just had. There were some. There were times this weekend when Craig and his team and Rusty and they they were so on top of everything that I felt like I was just I didn't even need to be there. I was just one of I was just one of the crowd. We ate too much. I ate too much. The food was good. The fellowship was good. But you know what was really, you know what's really, really good. You know what you really, folks. You really want to, you really want to experience something really good. Then you need to get to one of these events because why? Because you hear stories. You hear stories. You hear personal stories. Personal stories of growth. And I was like, remember, I told you this that. The one a, a good leader replicates himself. If you're doing, if anybody, if you if you're leading the charge in your family, if you're a husband and you're leading the charge in your family, 
at some point, your oldest child, hopefully your, your son or whatever, uh, will be able to take your place. And he'll go out and he'll get married and he'll replicate you. He'll replicate the pattern that you set. By the way, they're probably going to replicate the pattern whether you said <laughs> whether you want them to or not, good or bad. They are, in fact, going to replicate. The, they're going to replicate the pattern. And uh, I sat back just with pride's not the right word, but my goodness, the great things that are going on. And remember, it's, it's one thing that's that's the picture of me blowing the shofar there at the Peace Eternal Monument there in in Gettysburg. And not sure who's that who that is. Is that Jeff? Maybe down there taking the picture. Um, I'm humbled because so many of you are picking up the ball and running with it. And ultimately, this is not something that uh, I have to be there in order for something good to happen. I could have missed the weekend, and Craig and his crew had it down so well that it was going to, it would have gone it would have gone off anyway. And then I continue to be amazed at the growth in Myra. And sometimes, as you know, I've got to push the clutch in on Myra. She's over-exuberant sometimes. But uh, like anything else, it's easier to tone somebody down than fire them up, right? Look what Myra's done with Craig. Rusty, what those guys put together. Clay Parker yesterday hosted his first show ever on Brideon. Now, how did that happen? Well. Uh, one of the get one of the hosts after John Diamond's uh, show asked John if he could cover for him. Well, John couldn't cover for him, but he said maybe Clay can. So they stuck Clay in there, and Clay did his first show on Bridie. I'm nervous as an old hen, and sit back and you know I tried. I sat in there with him to help guide him a little bit because it was, it was his first time. But I think, Lord, my goodness, it's like I came home today and found out. Uh, we found out coming home last night that Declan, our grandson, we've been gone four days. He walks now. I mean, he was borderline walking before we left, right? But Maggie, our daughter, said, hey, he walks everywhere now. So Michelle can't wait to see Declan walk. And you know what? We're not going to make fun of how Declan walks. We're going to rejoice that he can walk, <laughs> that he's walking, right? Stumbling and falling. And that's what we that's what I hope for you guys that you learn to walk. Yeah, you're gonna stumble, you're gonna fall, you're gonna bang your knee. Yeah, you might fall down, bloody your nose, you might even break your arm. But you have to learn to walk. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you have to learn to walk a path that sometimes two roads diverging in the yellow wood, be one traveler long I stood. Sometimes we have to make tough decisions about which road we're going to go down. And do we want to go down that road? And how hard is it going to be? And I could, in fact, pick this road over here because it looks like it's probably a little bit easier than this road. But it's about stumbling and falling and getting up and moving on and going and going and going and making a difference and leaving a footprint everywhere that you go. And I was just kind of, Michelle and I, as we were riding home yesterday, I just kind of, if you, did, if you guys didn't see Michelle, I, you'll get a chance. It's posted. Michelle prayed at the, at the monument yesterday. My goodness, what an anointing it was on her when she prayed. And it, uh, it does my heart so good to see that really, for the most part, I don't, I don't need to be there. I don't need to be there anymore. 
And I want to thank all of you out there who, who, have, uh, who couldn't come, who donated towards the project. I think we came out okay financially on it. Hey, as always, if you want to throw some, some, uh, a donation our way, certainly we need it because, uh, I mean, it just, it, it costs a lot to do what we do. And we don't waste money. I don't have a big office. I don't have a big staff. We don't, we don't waste it. But watch that food that Craig brought in there and Craig's wife. And oh my goodness, who am I going to, I'm going to forget somebody. And just to be able to sit around there with OJ and Dorita and Linda. Jeff Hostler came as good to see Haas. And by the way, after Haas, I don't know if you're listening. I know you are at some point listening, Jeff. I, I, I want to have you on because I want you to share the testimony that you shared with me yesterday. It's, it's unbelievable. And you know what? I know I could open up, I could open it up right now. And the testimonies that we would hear of changed lives because of our connection together here is unbelievably, hum- it's humbling, man. It's humbling. And uh, again, my greatest desire is that you'd all learn to walk. Come and say, look, look at Clay's walking. Clay hosting a Brideon show. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It, it, it's amazing. And I want all of you to know uh, just how, I don't want to say proud because, it, see, look, here's all I've ever tried to do. All I've ever tried to do, it's just so prophetic with Declan. All I've ever tried to do is tell you, get up and walk and then try to help you to walk. That's all I've ever, ever wanted to do. And I thank you for Dave Allison and his wife came down from Michigan. They came all the way down from Michigan and Dave's having an event. We're part of an event going on up in Michigan. And, you know, I, I was looking around. I think, you know, some of the old regulars aren't here. Randy's not here. And Mark Trump's not here. And I ran down a litany of some, and we still had a full room. We still had full room of people who showed up. <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> I'm still convinced we're going to win. I was deeply, <clears throat> excuse me, I was deeply impacted again by Gettysburg. Myra, I haven't forgotten you. And uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a scripture with you here in a second. I was deeply impacted. And I'm going to show you why here with Psalm 78 here at the beginning. But I, I just want to uh, tip my hat again. And I don't know if you guys know this or not. I told some of you yesterday. Our, we, I don't talk about much, much about our son, Zach. Michelle and I are our son, Zach. But his, his little baby, Scarlett, was intensive care in Children's Hospital the whole time that we were in uh, Pennsylvania. She had some a, a virus, some type of who knows what it was. And I, you know, I saw I saw a miracle. I saw a miracle on Friday before we were getting ready to leave. Uh, Zach dropped little Scarlett off. She's what Michelle six months, seven months, eight uh, some months along, and uh, she dropped Zach dropped Scarlett off so because he had to go. He was going to going to go to work. He works with Roger Weaver. Zach's, Zach's an attorney, law degree. And the, from the moment my wife picked up that little baby, she knew something wasn't right. Michelle walked around our house for about four hours holding that little scarlet. And she got on the phone. She called Zach. She said, you get your, she didn't swear, but she thought about it. You get your butt back here and you get this girl, get some help. And Zach took her and went to the doctor and the doctor immediately the doctors at Lancaster hospital, small hospital referred Scarlett to children's hospital. Boom. Off they went to <clears throat> children's hospital, with that little <clears throat> sweet little thing. And she got released on uh, 
Sunday night, Saturday night, maybe while she's home. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, just the instincts of Michelle as a mom. Something not right here. <laughs> Something's not right here. Uh, who knows uh, how God might have used her in that situation? Because um, anyway, it is what it is, right? Developing our gifts, exercising our gifts, standing up, speaking the truth, doing doing what needs to be done. We are there is such a <clears throat> folks. There is such a uh, there's such a void or vacuum. I don't know which word to use. There's such a void of tr- of truth in America. But in that open vacuum, there is so much, so many lies, so much untruth that spews, pours, is sucked into the everyday life of Americans. Amen. And why would, why would, why would we be surprised? We know from Psalm 2 that there's a battle going on between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And the only weapon, listen to me. The only weapon the enemy has is deception, lies and deception. You go back and you follow the trail of the serpent. All he does is lie and deceive. In fact, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And he was a liar from the beginning. From the very beginning when he shows up, he was incapable of telling the truth. And we, I, I saw that again this weekend when we were, we were in, in uh, Gettysburg. Everything they're telling us about the battlefield is now a lie. Well, it's not a lie. It's partial truth. Partial truth. Woke truth. That's why it's so important, so critical for those of us who are here and those who come in here every day to stand up and speak the truth. And the, it's going to make people mad. Because at the end of the day, we like our comfort. And lies, more often than not, make us feel comfortable. So I'm going to quit lying to myself. I got my belly back. No matter how much my wife tells me, oh, honey, you look fine. I don't look fine. And so my, my wife, if she'd really love me, she would grab me in a headlock and say, hey, Dave, uh, honey, quit eating, will you? You quit eating for a while. Doesn't feel good. It's the truth. She loves me. Get rid of that belly. Get that blood pressure down. Right? Why is it that we, we love to bask in our and our discomfort, bask in lies. People tell us how, how good we look when we know we don't. So remember, it's only the truth that will set you free. And uh, we're about truth here. Try to be. Try to be about truth. Myra, go ahead and, go ahead and pray us in. Uh, Myra, Myra was with us all weekend. She did. She was <clears throat> the growth going on in that girl. By the way, I think we have something to do with her growth. So I know Myra doesn't mind. If I help coach her a little bit, right, Myra? We're on the same team, Myra. Yes, coach, in the same team. Thank you. All right, all right, dear. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, By the way, coach. hang on. I got my new got the new uh, camo hat in. Here's the old one. <clears throat> that desert camo is real camo. Just got a supply in. So if you're interested, we got some new camo hats in. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, coach. <coughs> it is written. Second Chronicles 7, 4 through 7. Second Chronicles 7, 4 through 7. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And the king Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 
and two thousand oxen, and an hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Hmm. And the priests waited on their offices. The Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord, because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the mm. middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to coach Dave Han Huddle, and we open our hearts to you. I release the anointing that breaks the power of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let it be written, so let it be done, as uh, was it Pharaoh said that. <clears throat> I, you know, I thought about something this weekend. Thought about a lot this week. Oh, i got to say this. The tent revival coming up this weekend. Uh, friends, there... <laughs> I, look, I don't. I don't want to be critical, right? I don't. You guys know me. No, you don't. Well, I, well I'm going to speak at this event down in, in Dayton, Ohio, this weekend. It has an unbelievable lineup of speakers. I'm telling you, it's it 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday, October 1st. Does it have the list of speakers? There's. Can you scroll down to all there, Spencer? Does it list who they are? <clears throat> I mean, come on, man. Resistance Chicks, Neil Peterson, David Scarlett, Pastor Tom Canato, Dr. Carrie Madej, Attorney Tom Renz. There are more, there are more. It goes all day Saturday. And look, I don't expect all of you guys to drive from all the way from Pennsylvania or whatever, but if you're in the Ohio area, all day Saturday, Save America Revival Tour. It's going to be outside in a tent. Love for you to come and be part of it. It'll be, again, it's a gathering of the saints. There's, there'll be great encouragement that, that will be there. So uh, that, stick that in the chat so people can follow up on that. I'm speaking at about, uh, I think it's like 1 o'clock. We all have about 20 minutes. Point being, as I started to say, we have to move beyond tent meetings. God bless tent meetings. God bless gatherings. We have to move and do. We have to. And that's what I want to talk about a second. Mel, go ahead and come on in there real quick. Yeah. Amen on that coach. I was talking to Leah, one of the resistance chicks yesterday. And I, I said, you know, I'm just kind of moving past the, you know, going to events to hear speakers. And and so yeah. what they're really trying to do is to allow some time in between the speakers for the Holy Spirit to move. So they really do want to make it a time of, of action, but in the spirit. And, you know, you can't really plan for that. So they're really praying that, you know, that the Holy Spirit's going to move. And um, anyway, I just want to yeah. add that. All right, all right, cool, cool. So I was at, I was at Gettysburg in um, 1861. Yeah, again, again I, I, if you have, guys haven't been to Gettysburg, you need to, you need to go. Don't let one of those woke professors talk to you. Bobby's got some great videos. He's just 
He's just posted. I will try to get him up about wokeism. But um, those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. I don't know who said it, but somebody pretty smart. And we have forgotten the past. We, we, we really, really have. We've forgotten it. And as I was standing there at Gettysburg and thought 1861 to 1865, that was the Civil War. Gettysburg was fought basically in the middle of it, 1863. And it was a, it was a um, surprise battle. They just happened. They, just ha- they didn't have any GPSs. They didn't have any cell phones. They didn't even have satellite phones. And so somehow the Union and the Confederates just happened to show up at Gettysburg at the same time. Wasn't, pl- wasn't planned to be a battle. And then when they showed up and they saw each other, then they sent horse riders out and said, hey, go get those guys. Go get those guys. And all of a sudden, boom, there was a, about 150,000 men at, at Gettysburg. And I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about uh, the Gettysburg Address. Now, you know, I read a little bit that yesterday on the show. But listen, folks, I'm, I'm doing this because I think this is critical that we understand this. Okay. Um, 1861. I started doing some math in my head because I was around Craig. Craig's always doing numbers and Numbers are important. And I did 1861, thought I'm 70 years old. So let's use me as, let's use me as an illustration. The Bible says the guy, you get 70 years. If lucky, maybe you get 80, whatever. So let's say I'm, I'm 70 years, or I'll be 70 years old in six weeks. So 1861, let's say I'm born in 1860. Let's keep it easy. I'm born in 1860. 70 years from 1860, it's 1930. Is that right? My math right? 70 years from 1860 is 1930. 70 years from 1930 is 2000. Am I getting this right, Silver? I know you're not a math expert, but I think I'm I think I'm pretty close here. In 70 years from 2000, we ain't even there yet. So we're looking literally at two generations and a half removed from Gettysburg. I don't know what you guys think. That ain't very long. (laughs) That ain't very long. Methuselah lived a lot longer than that. People used to live a lot longer than that. To ask ourselves how we have got from 1861, when Abraham Lincoln said that what they did, we will never forget what they did here, and we have forgotten what they did there. We've forgotten it. And again, the further you get away from a situation, the greater the propensity for falsehood to be taught. And the Civil War has been lied, we have been lied to. It wasn't only about slavery. But we know that at the heart of every debate you have, when you're talking, the young kid, the generation after us, that at the heart of that will be the issue of slavery. Always at the issue of slavery. And friends, that wasn't it. That was not at the heart of the, of the debate. Liberty. The heart of the debate was liberty. Is somebody else going to be able to tell me what I can do? And because, and because we forget, of, like I, I said yesterday, 18, 70 years from now, they're going to look back on our generation, and they're going to say, just like we look back on 1861 and say, they had slaves? Are you kidding me? They couldn't understand slavery was wrong. People actually owned other people. Well, they did because in 1861, slavery was legal. And so everybody did what was legal. 
And 70 years from now, they're going to look back and they're going to say, are you kidding me? They actually killed babies? What? They didn't, come on. They didn't kill babies, did they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they killed babies. Why? Because it was legal. And so we forget the fact that slavery was, nobody was fighting against slavery because it was common. It was legal. And the debate wasn't over whether or not a black man was a human being. That's not what brought us into the battle, although that was what the abolitionists were fighting over. Certainly the abolitionists were fighting over the issue of slavery, but it was not the original issue. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. It was not the original issue of the Civil War. Clay Parker told me, well, he could say it now, Tennessee, Tennessee didn't know which side to join. They weren't for slaves. They didn't have slaves. But Tennessee entered into the war because they had to pick a side. Which side are you going to be on? And the Tennesseans, the the volunteers said, hey, uh, we are not for tyrannical government. We are for liberty here. And so Tennessee enters the Civil War. And the guys that show up at Gettysburg, they weren't there over racism. They were there over liberty because no man, come on now, no man's going to go lay down his life for slavery. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to, men won't lay down their lives for unborn babies. They're not going to lay down. So it's all part of the lie, the big lie. And the big lie is basically this. Don't ever forget this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's never changed. It has never changed. From the very beginning, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, it is between tyranny and liberty. That's, that's, that's the battle. The scripture says that whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Well, we've lost sight of that. Not only have we lost sight of it, when Abraham Lincoln said that these honored dead shall not have died in vain, government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth, and that from these honored dead we will take increased uh, measures of devotion to those who gave their last full measure of devotion, we don't have any full measure of devotion regarding anything. We, We claim Christ, and we won't die for the Lord. Come on! We won't die for the Lord. That's the magnitude of what happened at Gettysburg. Those men at Gettysburg died for something bigger than themselves. What what grabs a hold of a man's heart makes him to do that? Because boys and girls, whatever that thing is, it's in short supply here in America today. We're afraid to have people ban us on Facebook. where the battle lies. And the enemy operates by one one method, and that's deception. And that's why Jesus told us, Paul told us, to take captive every thought. Why? Because in the midst of every thought, there may be a lie. He said, take every thought captive and bring it and compare it to the truth. Bring it to Christ, the mind of Christ, the truth. Take captive every thought. Before you react on that thought, bring it to the truth. And then react on the truth. 
And Abraham Lincoln said that uh, we will never forget what they did here. But we have Psalm 78 pulled up. Silver, get ready there. <clears throat> I was sitting around uh, this morning getting preparing, doing some show prep here. And uh, we got all, <laughs> we got Maggie's dropping all of her kids. Four, we got four little, little beaners going to stay with us all day. So I'm getting geared up. Michelle's getting geared up. We got, we got a day ahead of us wrestling those little ones, especially this new guy walking around, right? So I was kind of distracted this morning trying to put stuff together and kind of in an afterglow from a great weekend and kind of worn out from a busy weekend and come home thinking it's Monday and here it's Tuesday. Yeah, 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 yeah. life goes on, doesn't it? <clears throat> and I said to Michelle, I said, I need a scripture. I need a scripture. And she said, Myra will have one. I said, I know she will, but I said, I need one. I need one. And as soon as I said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Said Psalm seventy-eight. So Joe, this is a this is uh, folks. This is worth reading. But this this is the, this is a this is a uh, roadmap. This is a uh, floor plan. <clears throat> this is the building, the architect drawings. <clears throat> excuse me, of how we got where we got. And somebody again said this weekend, where are the young people? Where are the young people? Somebody said that again. So Joe is reminded of Psalm 78, and I'm going to stick a sock in my mouth and try to shut up, and you just read Psalm 78 for us here for a second. Joe, I'm lying. I'm not looking a sock in my mouth. Okay, Coach. Uh, Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation. They've told us. They told us. Go ahead, Joe. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Got the picture here, folks? A tag team handoff. I should be. We should be. Every one of us should be dragging our children to Gettysburg and letting them know what our forefathers did there. So what Abraham Lincoln said: We'll never forget what they did here. Not what they prayed about. Not what they watched. Not what they ate. What they did here. We'll never forget it. He said, and we have. Go ahead, Joe. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. Do what, Joe? He commanded them, hey, daddies, tell your kids, will you? Hey, dad, tell your kids. Teach this to your kids, dad. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who who, who should arise and declare them to their children. Hey, Joe, hang on. How many generations did I say from Abraham Lincoln? 1861? 1921? Isn't that what I said? I think so. 1931? 2001? Two and a half generations? We haven't taught it. We haven't taught it to the generation that the generation to come might know them. Even the children should be born. And then they would get up and they'd teach it to their kids. We haven't done it. So we show up at Gettysburg, and some guy with a uh, 
cowboy hat on and some college professor tell us everything that Gettysburg was not about. Go ahead, Joe. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Help us, Lord. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart right. Oh, no and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Hey, Silver, read that again. Okay. Hey, folks, I'm talking, the scripture's speaking to you, Dad. Where are the young people? Where are they? Oh, they're sitting around with headphones and uh, headphones on and, and these things in their hands, or pads. They're sitting around doing those things. Read that again, Joe. And might not be as their fathers. Don't be like your daddy a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Wow. That's us. We're armed. We're carrying the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And what do we do? Turn back in the day of battle. We gave our we gave our progeny over to the government schools, to some freak to come and teach us some woke nonsense that a that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, and that you can be a homosexual, a practicing homosexual, and be a Christian. They being children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, they didn't. They didn't even take the. They didn't. Even, they turned back. They didn't. They didn't unleash the arrows. Go ahead, Joe. They kept not the covenant of God, and refused to walk in His law, and forgot His works, and His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zone. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. Are we teaching this to our children? Who are teaching it to their children? Who are teaching it to their children? Or do we have some woke college professor telling us a different story? Go ahead, Joe. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. Yep. They, said, they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Uh-oh, therefore the hurt Lord heard it. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire... Wow. Hey, whoa, whoa. hey, Joe, hey, Joe. Wroth is a little bit more than just mad, isn't it? Isn't this a little deeper mad that uh, the Lord heard his people questioning his power, and he was wroth. I'd call it After fury. all the things he'd done, 
He said, you ungrateful pigs. I'd call it furious. Furious. Yeah. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. Best life now. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels as food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also among them as dust and feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. You getting this picture, boys and girls? Uh, Are you getting this picture? They just want more and 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 more. And they can't even understand that he's ticked off. And he's filling them as full as they want to be, like pigs, for the slaughter. For all this they sinned still, and believe not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. When he slew them. Who slew them? Who slew them, Joe? God. (laughs) The Lord. Mm. When he slew them, they sought him. Then they they sought him. (laughs) Then they did. And they returned and inquired early after God. I bet they did. And they remembered that God was their rock and and the high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they told the Lord how much they loved him, and they didn't, they didn't love him with their whole heart. It was all flattery. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Because if they were, they would have taught it to their children, who would have taught it to their children, who would have taught it to their children. And as Abraham Lincoln said, we will never forget what they did here, but we have. Go ahead. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he many a time turned he his anger away. Wow. And did not stir up all his wrath. Oh his wrath. He didn't stir it all up. I ain't telling you no more, boy. It's what my dad used to say. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away. And cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor in the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Okay, Joe, I'm just going to stop there because this goes on for about another 40 verses. But you get the point, folks. Abraham Lincoln said, that we will never forget what they did here. 
We're going to teach it to our children, who will teach it to their children, who will teach it to their children. And you go into the average American public school, and they could not tell you a dot and tittle, maybe, about what the Civil War was all about, about Americans killing Americans. They don't know anything about it. Because why? Didn't teach it to their children. Who teach it to their children? Who would teach it to their children? And the wrath of God was kindled. It's kindled against the people. Wow. Come on in, Janine and Craig. Yeah, Deuteronomy 28 mirrors this really well because we were supposed to teach that each year. The fathers were supposed to teach that to their families every single year. And one of the verses in verse 10 of what you just read it and mentions it throughout this whole thing is the covenant mirrors the law. We've broken it and people think they've kept it. You can't keep the law if you don't do it all. You break one, you break it all. You mentioned jot and tittle. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was first going to church, I thought jot and tittle was just a point on the Bible. But a jot and tittle is actually far more important. It's a point that he's trying to make. You can't change that point. You can't um, press it into something you want. It's what he's trying to tell us. You can't deviate against that. So here he calls Jacob. Jacob is always called Jacob when he's disobeying God but he's called Israel when he's following the Lord. And it says, you know, here I, when you're reading that, I'm thinking, get, he's giving you meat, but you people, you continue, continuously want to stay on the milk. So how can mm. I bless you? And Janine, he ain't very happy about it, is he? <laughs> not in the least. Not, not very happy about it. Craig, come on in. In Michelle. Verse 40 says they, they provoke god and if you look if you look at a call to the people that's the terminology that was used we are we are provoking god and the thing is is when you get down to the children and what we're trying to do to these children between their sexuality and their shots and all that these vaccines you're provoking god to an action and he's not going to stand by for a long time when you get to you that better, level, when you, when you get to that level, okay, you're 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 on the last nerve, just like your dad, you know, or your mom. You knew when they were on their last nerve. Yep. When, where that's where we're at. Spencer, pull up a uh, Webster, Mister Webster, if you could for us, real quick, there, dude. Pull up Mister Webster and put up provoke. To call into action, to arouse, to excite, as to provoke anger or wrath by offensive words or by injury, to make angry, to offend, to incense, to enrage, to excite, to cause. We provoke him unto wrath. We haven't even taught it to our kids. So what the hell's wrong with you saying to us? Michelle, then Joe. Thanks, Coach. Um, the account of the them eating so much quail that they died is in uh, is Numbers 11. And if you pull up Numbers 11.5, there's this uh, talk about, you know, watch out for the woke professors and revisionist history. 
uh, 5 reads, um, We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Mm. Um, what I'm saying is that wasn't their existence in Egypt. And um, they allowed that type of thinking. We had it so much better. They believed the lie. And um, I, I just thought that was interesting how you pointed out to watch out for what we're being taught because it'll lead to it'll just lead you further away from God. That's right. That's why it was important that we would teach to our children who would teach it to their children. So those guys stood there Saturday, uh, whatever day that was. And they told us BS. Just, they just told us BS. And we all stood there and swaddled it and smiled and standing on blood soaked ground. (laughs) And didn't talk about it. Bobby finally said something about it. I saw I saw angry. I was gonna go I was gonna go fire one of those cannons or something up there, right? Amen. Come come on in, Joe. This is all about our children, correct? We care about well, our children. No, it, Joe, when, it's about the it's about the passing of our faith to the next generation. It's a tag team. Right. Abraham Lincoln said they will we will never forget what they did here. And we have. Arlington and the Cemetery Memorial up there in D.C., Arlington, was my choice to take my children to because I wanted them to see where the men wound up at. And we look today, we have a a Catholic minister who was taking his 12-year-old boy to the Killenfield Mill to show him about what he does. Mm-hmm. And the FBI arrests this minister, seven yeah, children, yep. just because he was showing his son and a uh, what an escort filed charges on him. So the FBI arrests him for it. <clears throat> Amen. I didn't I was gonna go there, Joe didn't have time to do that this morning. Pro life guys, seven children. Because so when it's he showed all about up, the children showed up at the abortion clinic and one of the one of the one of the wicked witches there gets gets in his son's face, his twelve year old son's face. Yeah, yeah, but you can imagine. We've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. And the dad comes along and pushes the asset. Get away from my son. FBI comes, arrests him. So at seven o'clock in the morning, they come with guns drawn and raided his house. Yep. There's certain people you're not allowed to push, Joe. The devil's kids, you're not allowed to push. Rich, come on in. Yeah, I'd like to, um, I'm, I'm reading a book by Leonard Ravenhill, so I want to quote him. He was a pastor that wrote a book in the 70s, and he said that uh, then, he said the uh, United States is on a collision course with God. If we don't, uh, and then what we're talking about today kind of makes me think of that. You know, we're not passing on the scriptures, uh, you know, the love of God to our, to our generation, next generation let alone our history of our nation, and it we're just we're on a collision course. That's what I'm that's what that was my whole point again about Gettysburg. Is we're history we've been here before. We've been here before. And why are we here? Because we haven't talked to our children. We haven't taught history to our children. Especially spiritual history, spiritual heritage. Most dads have taught their kids every starter for the New York Yankees. 
and every quarterback the Cleveland Browns ever had. But the average kid in America couldn't even begin to tell you what the full gospel, four gospels are. I'm just telling you the truth. Julie, come on in. Thanks for coming down this weekend, Julie. That was amazing. <clears throat> you know, as me and some of the ladies were walking downtown, I was appalled. Um, I kept thinking, well, what would those soldiers think when they walk downtown in Gettysburg and see these? Well, Gettysburg's woke, right? Gettysburg's woke. Gettysburg this, gay that, yeah. Yeah, pride flags. And then they had these T-shirts that said, um, respect diversity. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I just wanted it was a blessing to be there. Thanks. Amen. Didn't teach it to our children. They didn't teach it to their children. They didn't teach it to their children. And we sit in a in a van going to Gettysburg saying, where are all the young people? <laughs> where are they? Oh, they're, they're watching a Disney movie. Silver. Coach, this morning uh, I received a, a message in our family group kind of thing. Uh, from one of my grandsons and he was asking about a constellation, you know, the little dipper, where is that thing? And, and so I answered him back directly, not to the family because everybody in the family gets the message at one time, ding, 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 ding everywhere. So uh, I said, Hey, waking up every, everyone up person. I said, read Psalm 81. Like it. I said, also make it a habit to also read the proverb of the day based on the day of the month that it is. So today would be proverb 27. Enjoy. So if you ever need to talk, just call. Love you, son. This is my grandson, one of my grandsons. I have a bunch of them. But that's the kind of communication that you need to have with your children and your grandchildren. Yep. Just keep them. And, you know, I, 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 I so dropped the ball. Amen, Silver. I've, I've so dropped the ball. So Amen. dropped the ball. Clay. Yeah, Joseph has asked a few times where the young men are. So if they're not getting the right history lessons in school, then they're not being taught about history or what needs to be done to keep America safe and keep your freedoms. And then number two, they're confused about that. They're confused about what it takes to keep America safe and what they're telling us safety's all about and then number two is uh in church they go to church and and you know like we were talking yesterday they say it is finished you know there's no work left to do and then all the church activities take place at the church or they'll are at at a a pavilion at a park with only the same people that was in the church there's no honking waves there's nobody going out doing anything and i think i was about 30 years old working shift work and I can remember sitting in church with my pocket knife out stabbing myself in the leg because <laughs> I didn't want to fall asleep and insult the pastor and that's and so if there's any young people doing anything they're probably falling asleep on a lot of these church pews <laughs> amen clay <laughs> I'm sure they are falling asleep on them I'm sure they are amen clay oh my goodness we again, as somebody much wiser than me said, we we put a kid in a youth group or Sunday school for an hour a week and think we're going to counteract everything that's being crammed down their throat eight hours a day in the public schools. We're fools, Randy. 
I think the young people coach are looking. I think they're. I think they're. They they are. They do have a void. They're full. They're empty. But but they're looking, coach. They they need to see a standard. The church right now has no answers for them. They see all this evil. They know they should. They're looking around like somebody tell me what to do. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't know anything about history, they still need us. They need the real church to speak to them and to stand up and show them right now. And I think God's raising us up. I think he is doing this. But in the time being, we don't see it happening, and we we think nothing's happening. It is not true. God is doing a great work in our nation. There is going to be a spiritual awakening, and we're proof of that, Coach. We are we know that Randy, if we were to just follow the history, <clears throat> excuse me, of homeschooling and come to realize that the growth of homeschooling over the last decade has been astronomical, that will eventually show up. That will eventually pay off. But uh, we, we have to encourage more and more people to do that. As the old saying goes, when you send your children to Caesar, you can't be surprised when they act like little Romans. And that's what we do. And our children are smart enough to know that we give them an hour of the Bible a week, maybe, at Sunday school. They draw pictures of rainbows and giraffes and seven hours of indoctrination, 35 hours of indoctrination in government schools. Why do we, why do we think that won't have an impact? Angie. Good morning. Hey, I just wanted to speak to the uh, portion where you're talking about homeschooling, how much has exploded. I received a text very late last night, almost 1130, um, from a group of women that are in my county who said that our superintendent went to the local pastor of a very big church down here in this county and asked him to work with him how to pull homeschoolers back into the public school system. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? And and the pastor is going to work with them. So I sent an email out or a message out to several people that I know that go to that church and say, hey, listen, this your your pastor's in cahoots with the superintendent to try to drag kids back into that system. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Huh? Yep. Well, you know why? Uh, probably the pastor, maybe he gets to say the prayer in the locker room before the football game. Could that be? Does he get a chance to stand down on the sidelines with the team? I, I, didn't, they- hear I didn't hear that agreement. <laughs> No, that's how they co-opt them, though. <laughs> I've been around long enough to know how that one works. <laughs> yeah, or, or if they're really, really good, maybe they'll have the choir come, the school, high school choir come and sing in their church some Sunday evening. That really works. That really draws them in. Roger, come on in. Oh, quickly. Uh, numerous studies, one or two big ones from George Barna. 80% to 85% of the youth that go through the whole, you know, 7th grade through 12th grade youth group and evangelical churches, 80 to 85% are not in church at all in their early 20s. They have left. <clears throat> That's Psalm 78. <laughs> we just read it, didn't we? Psalm 78. Teach it to their children. Pull that back up there if you could, Psalm 78. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, go back up. Go up to about verse eight, maybe. I'm guessing. Want to emphasize this to you again? Uh, seven. That they might, uh, that the generation to come might know them, even the children, which should be born, who 
should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And not might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And because their spirit was not steadfast with God, the children of Ephraim, carrying the truth, would not unleash it against the enemy. That's that's what basically what it says. The men of Essachar, armed and carrying bows. I'm sorry, children of Ephraim, armed and carrying bows, turn back in the day of battle. Myra. Yes. Yes, Coach. Thank you. I want to give uh, praise to the Lord for us and also to remind us that we have the Christian Revolution prayer tonight at 7.30 and we look forward to seeing you. Uh, so I'll be reading Psalm 5 through 8, uh, Psalm 135. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord please, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the praises. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh like things for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasures, who smoke the first, first burn of Egypt, both of man and the beast. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Spencer, dead millennials, bring it up. I'm going to leave you with this one today. <clears throat> 61,000 millennials aged 25 to 44 died in 2021 after COVID vaccine mandates. 84% increase in mortality rates. Hey, folks, you looking at me? This is just a physical consequence of what's happened to them already. They're already spiritually dead. Amen. These millennials are spiritually dead. In fact, the Bible calls it doubly dead, plucked up by the roots. We're seeing before us the physical consequence of spiritual death in our children. That these 40, these 25 to 44 age, probably college educated students, people, an 84% increase in physical death. Sad truth of it is, they're already dead. See you tomorrow.